0: The Holy Gospel according to St. Luke, the 12th chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. Jesus said, do not be afraid, little flock, for it is the Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions and give alms. Make purses for yourselves that do not wear out, an unfailing treasure in heaven, where no thief comes near and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Be dressed for action and have your lamps lit. Be like those who are waiting for the master to return from the wedding banquet so that they may open the door for him as soon as he comes and knocks. Blessed are those slaves whom the master finds alert when he comes. Truly, I tell you, he will fasten his belt and have him sit down to eat, and he will come and serve them. If he comes during the middle of the night or near dawn and finds them so blessed are those slaves. know this. The owner of the house had known at what hour the thief was coming, he would not have let his house be broken into. You also must be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an unexpected hour." The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. Assembly may be seated. Grace and peace to you from God, our Creator and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I'd like to start my sermon with a confession, because that's always a good start. My confession is, I did not win the Mega Millions. I know, it might come as a shock. My parents did, though. Uh, my mom uh, texted, we won $4, and so we'll be going out for a happy meal together, your father and I." really life-changing event in, in, in the history of our family. And it's one of those things where I'm, to be honest, I'm kind of bummed out. Because I, I was always taught growing up, right, to expect the unexpected. So I didn't expect to win, therefore I expected I should win. And that's sort of become a problem I, I've come to understand. Um, and, and it's a weird thing, because I didn't even buy a ticket, but that's why I didn't expect to win. But that's a whole nother story. But that idiom, expect the unexpected, from a logical perspective, is... Complete nonsense. It it means nothing, really. But yet, it has great value. At least it has great value to businesses who are trying to get you to buy into their product. I mean, listen, next time you got the radio on or you're reading an article or something, they use it all the time to advertise, right? Automotive makers, expect the unexpected. New types of foods, expect the unexpected. I saw one recently for like a fragrance, expect the unexpected. If I'm going to be honest, if I'm going to smell like this, I kind of want to know what to expect, right? So expect the unexpected is sort of this weird framework that we've taken with us. And yet it's an idiom that I think applies quite well to the gospel I just read. As Jesus continues in this divine investment program series that we've kind of heard the last few weeks. And I think today it gives us this opportunity to really think about what does it mean to expect the unexpected? Jesus does the thing we expect him to do at the beginning. He opens with words of comfort. These words of reassurance. He says to those disciples, Do not be afraid, little flock, for it is the Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Don't fear, because it is God's gift to you already that you have the kingdom, that you have all that it is that you could ever possibly need, and therefore live into and act the values of that kingdom here and now. What does it mean to enact the values of that kingdom? Well, we started to hear a little bit last week about that person who Jesus says had so much stuff that he asked himself, what should I do? And his decision was to build a bigger barn. And Jesus says, no, you're missing the point. In the kingdom, you don't build that bigger barn. It's something bigger than that. And today is the answer, why? Why don't we build the bigger barn? Because... The things that truly matter are not the things of this world. They are the things of God's kingdom. Not the treasures we collect here, but the treasures in our heart. And if we believe that, then all of a sudden, all of a sudden, we recognize that this kingdom is a place where our role is to sell off, right? To give alms, to to be open and generous in our sharing of that which we have. This idea, though, of selling things off, of sharing what we have, of almsgiving, seems really, really easy. But I assure you, it's not as easy as it sounds. And I know this in personal experience. Our family is preparing to move. We will be moving after an 11 and a half month hiatus over in Elmhurst back into the beautifully renovated parsonage that the congregation has so generously provided for me and my family. What does that mean? That means we are packing. And I have had a revelation in this process. Really outdone myself, I've come to realize. I didn't realize how many Star Wars toys and Legos an adult man on a limited budget could purchase in 11 and a half months. The answer is an alarming amount. An alarming amount. Tub after tub after tub of deals I could not possibly pass up have now stacked up. But here's the problem. Before we moved, before we moved, the movers we had came up to me and said, uh, hey pastor, is it cool if we take a picture with your toy collection? <laughs> it's pretty good. You know, and I quote, you should have a museum. Well, I took it to heart and I added to the collection as the sole curator and boy, what a job I have done. I've impressed myself, I've impressed the movers, everyone is impressed except for my lovely wife, who has now realized she lives with a child. (laughs) And so, as any good wife would do in these circumstances, she very lovingly, very lovingly, comes up and says, you know, you could sell these. Technically, she's not wrong, but she's absolutely wrong. There is no way I'm doing that. But today is our anniversary, and so, honey, I'll think about it, right? There you go. I'm not going to do it, but I'll think about it, right? But it gets me thinking, right? Like, here I am, struggling to part with stuff that, in truth be told, is just stuff. I have great fear at the thought of letting go of these things things at the behest of my wife, how much more difficult is it to let go of all things at the behest of God? It is a difficult process. It causes fear. And that's why I think Jesus immediately recognizes it. And that's why he opens with that words of comfort, do not fear. And I think this is one of the keys to the text today, is that it opens with reassurance because it knows that it's going to point to such a poignant reality, something so crucial for us to understand as people of faith. To understand it's not about the stuff. It was never about the stuff. But instead, it's about relationships. It's about the relationships, the attachments that we form to the stuff. It's about the relationships with the people around us, or dare I say, relationships with the one who created all of us. And what Jesus is helping us to remember here today, I think, is that when we let stuff get in the way of those relationships, then we need to really think long and hard about what we're doing. And then we need to consider this call to give. To open ourselves up that we may be in relationship with one another. And the joy is this. The good news is this, dear people. This stuff that we have, whatever your thing might be. For my mom, it's Hummel's, right? Like, we all have a thing. And that's okay. We all have those things. But the stuff we have is not a sign of divine favor and getting rid of the stuff we have will not earn God's divine favor. Why? Because Jesus tells us. He says, the kingdom is already yours. It is God's good pleasure to tell you it is already yours. In other words, giving our stuff up will not earn God's love that we already have. But giving it up may allow us the opportunity to be in relationship and to fully experience the depth and breadth of that treasure that we've already been given. Being generous is a means of reflecting God's generosity towards us. I don't think I'm going out on a limb here to think that some of you might have a t-shirt that says something like live generously. Thrivant hands those t-shirts out like they are going out of style. We've got boxes downstairs if you're interested super soft, high-quality t-shirts, right? Living Generously, I've been thinking about it because I've realized in this community of faith, we take this notion of living generously rather seriously. In fact, the shirt itself is a living embodiment of that. My Living Generously shirt that I got a few months back is now covered in paint. Why? Because I'm a terrible painter, but it's for a good cause, right? Because two weeks ago, I found myself in Oklahoma on Oaks Native Reserve, Ebenezer Lutheran Church, with a group of seven high school students and a couple adult leaders painting, serving, living generously towards others, giving alms not just financially but in time spent. These kids have so many other things they could be doing with their summer, and they decided to sit in a van with me eight hours one way to go paint that is an astounding gift of generosity if you ask me and now i'm wearing that same shirt i washed it same shirt to paint a parsonage again a gift of generosity from a congregation as a part of a larger thing that we've done together. Renovating spaces, not just so we have a bigger barn or feel good about ourselves, but creating spaces where we can welcome guests, where we can have community gather together to do the work that we've been called to do to serve faithfully and to live generously. And sometimes this living generously is really obvious. You can see it. Sometimes you have no idea it's happening. And that's one of the privileges of being pastor. I get to see it behind the scenes. Believe it or not, this year alone, I have been able to hand out over $1,500 worth of family assistance help. Just a little bit here and a little bit there. Why? Because you as a congregation are generous towards people, both members and non-members alike. I get phone calls and solicitations all the time. Pastor, can I have help with gas or food? Or a hotel room for the night? Can you help me pay for this this thing I need to do in order to to get this job I need to thrive? And you know what's awesome? Is I get to say yes because of how generous you are. Because you take seriously this idea of giving up what you have, of selling what you have for a greater purpose, of giving alms regardless of who it is that is to receive them. What a blessing that is. And so, as we leave, I want you to hear that blessing once more from Jesus. Do not fear, little flock, for it has been the Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom and this community, which has served faithfully for 81 years. Now look, I stand here unsure what the future might hold. If five years ago when I showed up, you would tell me I've done all the things that I've done and together we've done all these things that we've done, I would have probably said, yeah, nope, I'm good, not signing up for that. And yet, the Spirit moves generously here. Here we are. We've lost beloved members to death and moves We've welcomed in so many new people into a community excited to be a part of what's going on here. We've baptized countless babies. I got to do weddings for you guys. This is the fun part for me. Now we get to baptize. We've done all of these things together. And so as we look to the future, I don't know what to expect, but I can say this. Expect the unexpected. Amen.